name's Jims, for those of you who don't know me, and along with my incredible husband, Tim, we lead the North Campus of Activate, which is super cool, lots of fun. We had Jam with us this morning, which was awesome. Thank you. Um, we have three kids. They are 18, 16, and 13, and they would like me to tell you that they're amazing. <laughs> no, they actually are amazing. <laughs> How could they not be with parents like us? <laughs> awesome. Are you guys ready to have some fun? Hear a few stories? Yes? Stories about my kids? <laughs> awesome. So, as I said, I'm married to Tim. And who here has been married for a while? Some people. Who here is in a new relationship? Not me, I'm just like, put your hand up if you're in a new-ish relationship. Like, say, less than a couple of years. Yeah, there's a few of you. <laughs> Hands up if you want to be... No, 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 don't. <laughs> no, no, Jan, stop it. Don't encourage me. <laughs> Who knows that when you are new in a relationship... Your years ahead of you are just like one big dream and adventure and fun, and they're just going to be the best ever. Yeah? Who knows that reality doesn't always work out as we think it will? <laughs> I think one of, the, one of the things with things like that is our first child, Caleb, when he was a baby, he slept for eight hours a night from eight weeks and 12 hours a night from 12 weeks. How cool is that? And then we had Caitlin. <laughs> and she did not. <laughs> that was fun. Um, but one of the conversations that Tim and I had very early on in our relationship, and I think before it even started dating, because, you know, when you like each other, <laughs> kind of talk about these things, um, he looked to me and he goes, oh, because he was a dairy farmer at the time. He goes, would you ever consider farming? And he'd just moved to Tauranga to go to Bible college, and I was currently at Bible college, different Bible colleges. So it wasn't quite bridal college, but, you know, close. <laughs> so we're in the car, and he says, do you think you'd ever consider dairy farming? And I was like, I mean, I'd grown up in Tauranga, which is not exactly a farming city, right? Um, but I do love the outdoors, and I do love being active. I was like, oh. I wouldn't say no, like I'll never do it. That could be a possibility. Well, we went dairy farming, didn't we? <laughs> that was all good. But I said to him, and I don't know where this came from, because never in my childhood did I own a boat. Our family didn't own boats. I hadn't spent time on boats. But I said, oh, do you can ever be into boating? <laughs> and he goes, oh, maybe. I, I don't know. Probably not. Like it's not something I've, I've ever done. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. But he didn't say no. We've been married 20 years. And in that time, we have had more than 20 boats. <laughs> Varying from like little, you know, aluminium tinny, tinny boats to like 24 foot trailer yachts. So we've had like a variety of boats. But we've even managed to combine farming and boating. So we used to live on a farm at the top of Lake Arapuni. So hands up if you know where Lake Arapuni is. Like five people, yep. <laughs> so we lived between these two boat ramps on this farm and we had a 20-foot Tasman trailer sailor. 
So that means that we it lives on a trailer. We take it down to the water, put it in, put the sails up, and we'd go sailing. So it was awesome because we lived on a farm and we could go sailing. So one day we went out sailing and it was a little bit windy, but wind is good for sailing, right? Yep. We had our kids with us and we're in the boat and we're sailing along and the wind picked up and all of a sudden we hear this splash. It was not one of the kids. Because <laughs> then Monique's like, oh, no, <laughs> it wasn't one of the kids but his brand new pair of gumboots <laughs> that he'd put on the top of the hull and the wind had picked up and over they went. Yep. So yes, it was only the gumboots, not the kids. But we did manage to combine farming and boating. Now, not everything that we talked about at the time has kind of come to fruition, but it's awesome, right, to have dreams and to discuss and to chat about and to have you know ideas of what you want to do. And... Talk about the things that God's placed in your heart and the way that he's gifted and wired you. So tonight I want to share about vision, but specifically how we see is greater than what we see. Who loves jokes? Someone will have to tell this one to share it in, okay? <laughs> so John went to an eye specialist to get his eyes tested and he was prescribed glasses. He said to the doctor, will I be able to read the newspaper after getting these glasses? And the doctor said, yeah, of course, why not? He goes, oh, that would be nice. I've been illiterate all my life. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, to give you a bit of an example on vision and what I mean, I would like to invite Sam up. Is that all right, Sam? Okay, you can't look at this. All right, Sam, how are you going? <laughs> Awesome. Can you stand over that side of the stage for me? No, further by the wall. Okay, take your glasses off. Can you see me clearly? Okay, that's perfect. Leave them off. Leave your glasses off. You've got to stay there. All right, I'm going to show you guys a picture, all right? Can you see it? I'm not quite sure if the light's reflecting off it or... Yeah, okay. So that was done by my cousin's wife. All right, so I'm going to show it to Sam. All right, Sam, are you ready? <laughs> okay, I want you to tell me what you see. Squiggles. Hey, well, there are squiggles there. Okay, do you want to come a little bit closer? Okay, stop there. Can you see it? Apparently, apparently it's not. All right, do you want to put your glasses on? All right, what do you see now? Awesome. What else do you see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're starting to come a little bit closer. What else? <laughs> yeah, awesome. There we go. <laughs> yeah, you can get a chocolate from the host team for helping me out. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. So how he saw was greater than what he saw. He needed the glasses to be able to see, to have that vision. So you can see an image, but you can't see it clearly or well. It's not until you put your glasses on that you can see what you're meant to see. Oh, look, there's your chocolate. Take two. <laughs> okay, so in the Old Testament of the Bible, in Proverbs 
chapter 29, verse 18, we read, and I'm going to read a few different translations. The first one's the Amplified, and it says, Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. In the NIV, it says, Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And in the New Living Translation, it says, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. So who wants to be happy, blessed, and joyful? I do. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'd love to have more happiness and joy in my life. I do have happiness and joy in my life. We can always do with more, right? So the word for vision in in that passage is a word that is... Kozor. Can you guys say Kozor? Kozor. Alright. So what it means is to gaze at. Mentally to perceive, contemplate with pleasure, specifically to have a vision of, to behold, look, prophesy, provide, and see. So someone who comes to mind when I think about vision and the impact it has on them personally, as well as those around them, is Saul. Saul in the Bible. So his life's vision and goal was to persecute Christians and to kill Christians. He lost his physical sight, but then gained spiritual sight as well as his physical sight back. He had a vision before his encounter with God, and that was to destroy Christians. So we're going to go into Acts chapter 9. So Acts is in the the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And it's the fourth book. So we're going to go Acts chapter 9. So if you've got your Bibles, go there. If you don't, don't worry. I will read it out for you. So we're going to start at verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. I feel like that's an understatement. (laughs) They stood there speechless. I don't think I, yeah, yep. (laughs) They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a couple, a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, original name, eh? And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Uh, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. 
fair argument. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, "Uh, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he re- he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Awesome, eh? So the first point I want to bring out from that is that vision brings purpose and direction. So I don't know if any of you remember, but uh, maybe 10 years ago or so, there was an organization, an animal rights organization, who was having a go at dairy farmers. Does anyone remember that? They had stuff on the news and in the papers, and basically anyone who had anything to do with animal products, they wanted to just destroy. And we were dairy farming at the time. So as dairy farmers, we knew that there were these people that were going around and secretly filming farmers. So we're at home one night. Tim goes off for a shower. I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm watching the TV, and I'm like, hang on a minute. I recognize that figure. (laughs) And Tim was on TV right in front of me. (laughs) I was like, Tim, you're famous. (laughs) So they had filmed him. So it was an ad for, do you guys, is it Sunday? The documentary kind of like investigative journalism show that used to be on Sunday nights. So it was part of that. So they had this footage and they were talking to these people, but they were talking to vets and people in the industry as well. So they'd gone around trying to find farmers who were herding animals or herding stock. And it didn't matter how good the farmer was or how bad the farmer was. In their mind, they were hurting the stock. 
So Tim's very carefully picking this calf up and putting it in the, in the trailer to take it, to be with the other calves, to feed it, and to put the mum where it's meant to be. And they filmed him. So we watched the documentary, and in the end we had people like ringing us and texting us and vets going, oh, you did amazing, like... Your work was just awesome. Like, your animal welfare skills are amazing. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> but how weird to be sitting there at home and going, hang on a minute, that's my husband and my farm <laughs> on TV. <laughs> if anyone wants to see it, it still is online. <laughs> now, whether or not we agree with what they did, the vision of this organization brought purpose and brought direction. Their drive and their passion for what they believed in spurred them into action, and it brought purpose to what they were doing. They went to extreme lengths to pursue their vision, and Saul's no different. To begin with, he was highly religious and in the wrong way. He wanted to persecute and kill the followers of Jesus because he wholeheartedly believed that they were wrong and needed to be stopped. But once he came to know the truth and had an encounter with God, he had his physical sight restored as well as his spiritual sight, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with a renewed purpose and was on track to bring glory to God and to expand his kingdom. So vision brings purpose and direction. The second thing I want to highlight is that vision isn't about us, it's about God. In verse 10, God calls to Ananias in a vision. And I'm sure having a vision from God and being told that he needed to meet Saul, the guy that had authority to arrest him, (laughs) seemed unreasonable and irrational. However, after he'd pushed back a bit with God... And was like, "Mm, are you sure, God? He left and he went on his way to find Saul. Ananias knew God. He trusted God. And the vision he got from God was not about his own comfort and what he knew to be true in the physical, but it was about what God knew to be true in the spiritual. So the vision is not about us, it's about God. And thirdly, our vision builds others up. So in verses 15 and 16, God gave Ananias a vision for Saul. He showed him that God would use Saul to do mighty things in his name. Ananias had positioned himself to hear from God and to see what God wanted him to see. He feared God. He loved God. And God used him in a pivotal way in Saul's life because of his willingness and obedience. He could be used by God to set Saul free from his physical and his spiritual blindness. And Saul was able to go on and spread Christianity throughout the world. I want to say, don't underestimate how God can use you. Don't underestimate how God wants to use you. If we are willing to submit ourselves to God, to let him speak to us, the possibilities are endless. The difference that we can make in others' lives because of God is profound. The vision God gave Ananias about Saul was all about building Saul up and building the kingdom. 
Imagine for a moment what would have happened if Ananias had chickened out. So our vision builds others up. And fourthly, our vision helps put motion and meaning to our gifts. We're all gifted in different ways. We're all given gifts and talents. Things that Jan does better than I do. Things that Monique does better than Jan does. Because we've all got different gifts and talents. And what we see in verse 20 is that once Saul had regained some strength... It says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. His physical vision was restored and he had a new spiritual vision. God had given him a mandate. Even before his encounter on the road to Damascus, Saul was gifted. God had created him and designed him and purposed him and gifted him. Even before he had that encounter with God but he was using his gifts in the wrong way. There's no doubt that he was persuasive. He was a leader. He was talented. But he was using those gifts to bring destruction to the early church and Christians. But there was a turnaround when he encountered the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, he was doing all he could to bring people to know the true gospel message to encounter the living God just as he had. And this vision spurred him into action and brought a new meaning to the gifts that he'd been given by God. He was purposed and he knew what he needed to do and nothing was going to stop him. So our vision helps put motion and meaning to our gifts. And finally, Our vision affects the body. And when I say the body, I don't mean just our physical body. I mean the body, the church. Us, together as the body, the church. Imagine if Saul had decided, actually, I think I want to stay blind. I don't want to regain my sight. I don't want to know anything about this Lord that has told me someone can heal my sight. Think about all the missionary journeys that Saul made. Think about all that he did to spread the news of Jesus throughout the world. The way the gospel spread because of his obedience to God. The churches that were planted, the leaders that were developed. Saul's newfound physical and spiritual vision meant that the church body was blessed and grew and was impacted. So right from when I was young, I felt a call to leadership. I felt like just things happened in a way that meant that I was put in positions where I just ended up leading things. So when I was a teenager, I did leadership training through Girls Brigade. Anyone, any Girls Brigaders? Yeah. Woo! (laughs) Uh, And St. John Cadets. Anyone did St. John Cadets? Yeah, yeah, woo Uh, And then I ended up taking those leadership training courses. I did Toastmasters. Has anyone done Toastmasters before? A few people, yeah, yeah. (laughs) To hone my public speaking skills as a young teen. I became an intermediate youth group leader and then a youth leader. I went to Bible college and continued to develop those gifts. 
I trained to teach a life skills program in schools to intermediates and high schoolers. It was so much fun. South Auckland, it was awesome. It was real cool. And none of this is to brag, not at all, but to say that I had a strong feeling about my calling. God had placed that vision in me, the vision that God had for my life, and I pursued it. And because of that, my vision has affected the church body. The skills and gifts that God has given me, I want to use to bring glory and honour to him. And therefore, they will impact his body. And the skills and the gifts that God has given you, you can use to bring glory and honour to him and impact his body. The way that Dylan uses his talents and his gifts to lead us in worship, that makes an impact in the body. The way that Jay and Nikita lead youth and build relationship with the leaders and the young people, that makes such an impact for the church body, right? And for the kingdom. The way that Jessica welcomes people when she's on the host team, that makes an impact in the body. In every way, these people are making a difference to the body for generations. Thus, sowing seeds, creating environments of belonging, leading us into the presence of God in ways that will last beyond our own lifetime. And we can all do that. So there's a couple of ways I'd like us to apply this today. The first is, this week, why don't you spend some time really seeking God and asking him to give you a vision for your future? Maybe you need some clarity. It might be to do with work, a relationship, church, finances, education, your job, or something else. But really seek him. And I don't mean strive to conjure things up, but just ask him and listen. Spend time in his presence and listen. Just be aware of how he might speak to you. And secondly, I want to challenge you. Ask God about how his vision for you fits in with the body. How his gifts and talents that he's given you can impact the body. What is the vision God has for you and how does that outwork in church today? We've got amazing teams that you can be a part of. We've got kids and intermediates, youth, (laughs) creative, production, tech, grounds, hosting, hospitality, and so much more. There are lots of different ways that we can impact the body with our talents and with the vision that God's given us for our lives. If you want to be part of the team here, I'm sure that Monique and myself and others would love to be able to help you with that and chat with you too. But have a think. Ask God about how his vision for you fits with the body.